Inside the scarred up heart Inside a raging storm The word is angered Cause Satan has declared a war I'll fight this battle, Lord Because you're worth fighting for I pledge my undying love to you Yes, friends, Jesus is worth fighting for. Hello, everyone. This is Chap and Gary Rayburn of Rig Ministries, and we've got an awesome program for you today. We've got a testimony of Greg Barron from Evansville, Indiana. Celebrate Jesus Ministries. His phone number is 812-449-8147. And he would love to hear from you. You can email him at celebratejesusministry at gmail.com. Greg would love to hear from you. He travels around this area sharing his testimony, preaching the gospel, and he's got a great music ministry that he loves to come and sing at your church, your Christian event, wherever you want Greg to sing. He will come and sing and share his heart. So give him a call. Email him. He would love to hear from you. Now, sit back, listen, and we're going to open today's program with some great music from our good friend, James Payne of James Payne Ministry. And a lot of you have seen James Payne on television. And he has become a regular at our CD ministry conference here at Rig Ministries. We have a conference here every year at the last weekend in June. So you come join us and meet James Payne and meet a lot of the other folks that you hear on the Rig Ministry CD. So log on to our website, rigministries.com, rigministries.org, or rigtv.org. We want to hear from you. For me, though I led such a shameful life, grace has set me free. So I'm honored to struggle.
There's a man down on the corner Holding a sign You know I think he's right Says the end of time Saw a newsman on TV In a Colorado town Telling how some madman Shot innocent people down God, I hate to think what lies ahead We don't get back to the Bible Start doing what Jesus said We gotta pray Like we've never prayed before We gotta fight Like a soldier in a war Take a stand Every woman and every man Down on our knees We gotta beg and plead We can't give up We can't give in Till God blesses America again I wonder what old Thomas Jefferson would say If he could come back from the grave And talk to us today Would he tell us that this country Is just what he had in mind Or would repent and turn to God Be the words he cried All of this low living Comes with a high cost And America needs to wake up Before everything is lost We gotta pray Like we've never prayed before We gotta fight Like a soldier in a war Take a stand Every woman and every man Down on our knees We gotta beg and plead We can't give up We can't give in Till God blesses America again It's time to put the Ten Commandments Back on the courthouse square Put God's Word back in our schools Open every day with prayer Let all the preachers Start preaching against sin And maybe then Maybe then God bless America again Maybe then Maybe then Maybe then, Maybe then. God bless America again Powerful song by James Payne. You can log on to jamespayneministries.com and order some of his great music. He would love to hear from you. Get on his website and see how you can contact James Payne. He has several ways to contact him. So log on to his website, order some of his music, or book him for your church, your Christian event. James travels not only all over the country, but 
James Payne travels all over the world. He has a worldwide ministry, and what a powerful, powerful minister he is of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So log on to his website as you listen to another great song by James Payne. I stood in the rain today in New York Harbor Watched raindrops fall from the ladies' eyes Does she really know how bad this country's hurting? What would she do if the Statue of Liberty could cry? Would that be tears instead of rain that I see falling From her eyes as she watches freedom die Would she still believe enough in God and country To raise that torch so high up in the sky Or would she step down from her stand Put her face in her hands And pray that God would reach down from on high What would she do If this statue of liberty could cry? She could see all the homes and the broken Innocent kids that die before their time If she had a heart like mine Would it be breaking? What would she do If this statue of liberty could cry? Would that be tears instead of rain That I see falling? From her eyes as she watches freedom die Would she still believe enough in God and country To raise that torch so high up in the sky Or would she step down from her stand Put her face in her hands And pray that God would reach down from on high what would she do if this statue of liberty cried? She's just a lady made of stone, but America is her home. And as I watch her standing there alone, is that tears instead of rain that I see falling from her eyes? As she watches freedom die Does she still believe enough in God and country To raise that torch so high up in the sky Or would she step down from her stand Put her face in her hands And pray that God would reach down from on high what would she do if this statue of liberty could cry? What 
song before we get into Greg Barron's testimony and this is a song that James introduced at Rig Ministries at our CD conference and it is now his latest release on radio The Flag Washington carried me across the Delaware I was raised on Iwo Jima with bombs bursting in the air I was at the Alamo down in San Antonio It looked like I would fall that day But Texas kept fighting on I am the flag Red, white, and blue They call me old glory Cause I've been tried and true I stand for liberty I've been hated and I've been praised Though they burn me in the streets Oh, I will still be raised I am America I'm faded and I'm warm Flying high Cause I weathered every storm I will not die I was born to fly I am the flag I'm in the hands of every mother Whose loved one paid the price They drape me over heroes Fought and gave their life I'm waving over Arlington That sacred field of stone I'm the voice of the fallen That never made it home I am the flag I'm the old red, white and blue They call me old glory Cause I've been tried and true I stand for liberty I've been hated and I've been praised Though they burn me in the streets Oh, I will still be raised I am America I'm faded and I'm worn But I'm still flying high Cause I've weathered every storm I will not die I was born to fly I am the flag I stood beside Abe Lincoln That day at Gettysburg Four score, seven years ago Greatest words I ever heard It seems somehow forgotten Here in the USA The blood that was shed So I can proudly wave I will not die I was born to fly 
high on the flag All right, friends, and now we have the testimony of Greg Berend. Here's Greg. All right, well, Gary, thank you for the opportunity to, to share my testimony today. Um, just kind of start from the beginning, I guess. I was born in South Dakota, and I had a good, loving family. I was taught good values, uh, honesty, hard work. Um, had a good childhood. Um, was involved in sports and had a lot of success in, in that area. Worked on my grandfather's farm, on the hog farm, and worked construction, and um, was blessed to get a football scholarship to an engineering school and, uh, at South Dakota Tech, and um, got a degree in chemical engineering, and uh, proceeded to have jobs in uh, Texas, and Ohio, Louisiana, and then about a little over 30 years ago, Evansville, Indiana. I've uh, been there ever since. And um, so since I've been young, I've been very active um, in church ministry, uh, in, uh, in choir, in uh, doing readings, and just involved in a, lot of the, uh, in a lot of the church ministry, really since such a childhood. I remember Hundreds of times kneeling next to my bed, saying my bedtime prayers, saying prayers at mealtime, you know, singing songs in church, and uh, but you know that something was was missing, and uh, just there was this void in my life I didn't know how to satisfy. So, um, at the age of about twelve or thirteen, I started buying alcohol. Uh, the Mueller boys made me a little false uh, driver's license, and the, the lady at the liquor store, she didn't have real good eyes. And so uh, from that age, 12 or 13, I was buying hard liquor. Uh, South Dakota is a 21-18 state. We have 3-2 beer if you're 18, and when you're 21, you can buy hard alcohol. But I was buying hard alcohol from the time I was 12 or 13 years old. And ironically enough, my grandfather drank himself to death. Um, his dad, my great-grandfather, owned a car dealership and a liquor store in the Depression. And, of course, the liquor store wasn't, uh, was doing very well. The car dealership was kind of struggling. And so uh, he sold the car dealership and kept the liquor store, gave it to my grandfather, and, and uh, he proceeded to drink himself to death. But ironic how we sometimes fall into the same paths of our relatives. And so I started drinking at an early age. I remember in college one time drinking three quarters of a liter of Lord Calvert whiskey and waking up with my shoes on and could have died, you know, with that amount of alcohol very easily, but God's merciful. Uh, I remember in my freshman year of college, we used to have these parties up in the Black Hills. We'd drive up these curvy roads out to the really neat lakes and stuff, and we would party out there, and we'd all drive back drunk. And uh, sometimes the sun didn't hit the curves with the ice, and we hit one of those spots of ice, and, and we, Steve and I rolled his car down that embankment six or eight times. And I uh, should have been, should be dead today, but God's merciful. And, uh, you know, I carried that um, high school, grade school, college uh, kind of partying um, attitude right in through my jobs. I remember many times through church, 
you know, I don't ever remember for, I'm 56 years old now, and uh, for 33 years, I uh, just went to church and did the best I could do with what I knew, and I don't remember ever missing one single service in 33 years, not one single time on a Sunday do I remember missing church. But yet, you know, on Saturday night, um, you know, when I was out with my engineering job, we would always play softball and have a lot of fun, you know, we thought was fun. And we used to do these things called Statue of Liberties. So anything 100 proof or above will burn. So we used to get rumplemint schnapps, and you dip your fingers in your shot glass. Somebody lights your fingers on fire. You do the shot. You blow your fingers out. Called Statue of Liberties. So there I was on Saturday night, oftentimes at the bar, um, doing that. And then Sunday morning, there I was at church, you know, warming up a church pew with my rear end. And um, this felt empty, you know, something that was missing in my life. And it's like that old song, looking for love in all the wrong places. And that's what we do until we find Jesus and, and um, have a relationship. I didn't know what I was missing because I was doing everything that I was taught. And, um, you know, one of the things that drives my ministry now, I got born again 23 years ago, Labor Day weekend in 1994. Um, but only one person in 56 years has ever witnessed to me, still today. One person in 56 years has loved me enough to share the good news of the gospel. And it drives my ministry to the core, knowing that people are out there that don't know Jesus. And we walk by them every day and don't talk to them. And I'm bound to determine that's not the way I'm going to live my Christian life. I'm going to reach people with the good news of the gospel. But that person, his name is Rick Higginbotham. And he worked for me. I was the manager of our engineering company, and he worked for me. And I imagine how difficult it would be to witness to your boss. And because I was pretty intense. Um, you know, I grew up uh, working hard, and I was pretty intense at everything I did. And so we were in Noblesville, Indiana for work. And on the way home, he prayed for about an hour to himself to get the boldness to witness to me. And he started to progress to tell me about what it meant to be a Christian. See, Rick had Jesus in his heart, and I had Jesus in my head. You know, when you have Jesus in your heart, you can smell religion from 100 miles away. And Rick knew that, um, that I was just going through the motions and going to church every weekend. And he loved me enough to share the good news of the gospel. And I so wish my testimony would have been that I received Jesus there. We stopped the car. I got out of my hands and knees and, and asked for Jesus, you know. But I was so religious. And Rick got on a couple little hot buttons from my denominational background. And I turned the radio up and I just tuned him out. And that was the end of that conversation. See, you know, our brain's like a computer. You know, I've got an engineering degree, so I like to think about things and analyze things. And, you know, it's amazing what your brain will retain, right? Back from years ago, I remember pi 3.14159265.4, and I have all sorts of figures in there, right? But our brain just stores information. And I had a certain denominational background, just stored information in there in my brain. I didn't know right or wrong, right? It doesn't identify true or false. It just stores information. And I had all this head knowledge about a certain denomination and what we believed. And when Rick witnessed to me, what he told me did not line up with my head knowledge. And so I said, thanks, Rick. I'm good to go. Appreciate it. You know, and, um, 
But I learned a valuable lesson there. Rick started praying for me, my wife and I. His wife, Shay, and I started praying. For six months, they prayed for us. And by a miracle of God, I ended up at a non-denominational church service in Texas. I never went anywhere besides my church. It was always kind of inferred growing up through my grandparents and parents and family that, you know, we, we go to the, to the church. And, um, you know, I was, the first ministry, by the way, that God called me to, and I'm going to get back to that in a minute, is the nursing home ministry. And I'm convinced that God wanted to show me how religious that we are. I would swear those people that were in their 70s, 80s, and 90s would get down the floor and they would fight over their denomination, literally beat the tar out of each other because they all think their church is the right church. And God showed me it's almost like we can confess our denomination as Lord and Savior before Jesus when it's all about him. And so, you know, it was a miracle of God that I ended up in this church service. It was in a big um, arena, sports arena sat thousands of people, and there were literally hundreds and hundreds of people there. And um, at the end of that service, they gave an altar call. Now, I, I was not familiar with altar calls. and never had an altar call. I didn't know what they were. But I knew that the Spirit of God was so strong on me to get up out of my chair, to get up and go forward. You need to answer that call. And I went forward with my wife. And for the very first time, I confess Jesus with my heart as my Lord and Savior. See, all those years prior to that, I had confessed Jesus with my head hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. I don't ever remember one time in church in 33 years ever hearing John chapter 3 when Jesus told Nicodemus she must be born again. I think about that often. How many, how many times I sat in church and never one time did I ever hear that you have to be born again. And at that altar, for the very first time, I confessed Jesus with my heart. And I tell those guys in jail, I'm pretty active in jail ministry and in the Teen Challenge Drug and Alcohol Rehab, you guys can all walk out of the room right now and tell me this is crazy, but I'm not quitting because Jesus changed my life. And he's real. And I'll never forget that day at that altar. You know, I get concerned when people can't point out when they gave their heart to Jesus because it's a supernatural thing when the power of God comes inside of you and see when I went through that religious no religious ceremony ever changed my life I went through lots of religious ceremonies growing up and none of that ever changed me but when I finally confessed Jesus that altar with my heart I had peace for the very first time in my life and you know the Bible says that we're his sheep and we hear his voice. You know the Spirit of God spoke to me right there at that altar, right when I gave my heart to the Lord. After that peace that I felt, it was like the weight of the world just fell off my shoulders. I never felt peace like that before. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me just as plain as, as talking to somebody standing five foot away from me. He says, son, before this day, you were going to hell forever. And I'll never forget that day. And you know, in my ministry, oftentimes, I have a spray bottle that I use. You know, because James 4 says, our life is like a mist, like a vapor. And so oftentimes in jail, I'll do that spray mist. 
and show those men. I said, that's your life. That mist, that vapor is your life. And then I tell those guys, imagine yourself standing next to the ocean. Your feet are in the water and you look to the left and you see ocean, beach, and you pan out straight ahead and all the way off to your right side and all you see is ocean. Imagine how many of those sprays it takes to fill up just that section of the ocean. See, and that mist is our life and that ocean represents eternity, but it never ends. And here I was, had my ticket punched for hell for 33 years and only one person ever loved me enough to witness to me about what it means to be a Christian. One person. And so, you know, one of the things about my ministry, people might say a lot of things about me, but I'm thankful. I'm thankful that Rick came to me and loved me enough to share the message of Jesus. And I'll never, he gets tired of me telling him, thank you. I tell, every time I see him, Rick, thank you. Thank you for loving me. And so at that altar, after I felt that peace, and then the Lord spoke to me about, you were going to hell before this day, son. The next thing he said was kind of shocking. He said, I want you to go home. I want you to take all your alcohol and pour it down the drain. My first thought was, shouldn't I give it to one of my buddies? Because I had a lot of friends. And I thought that would be a terrible waste, you know? But he didn't tell me to do that. Now, I was in Texas now, so when I got back to Indiana, to Evansville, I went to my liquor cabinet. I had a lot of liquor in there. Then I poured every drop of that alcohol down the drain. See, I'm not against programs. I do a lot of work with ministry with Teen Challenge. It's an 18-month rehab program. And, you know, but I was on the one-step program. And I'm so thankful for what God did for me. I have no desire whatsoever for that. And so that was the start of my walk with the Lord. You know, a lot of times people at jail will say a prayer and, and nothing seems to change. You know, and you don't know, but though that might have been a head prayer, right? Because when you give your heart to Jesus, your life should start changing. And I often say I'm so thankful that, that God didn't tell me everything wrong with me when I got born again, I'd have quit. Because, you know, we have a lot of things that we develop over the course of time that are just not things that are godly. And um, so little by little... He showed me things and continues to do so. Um, just recently rebuked me for something. For uh, There was a church I was going to go preach at, and, and I felt like, well, I don't know. It didn't seem like they got much last time, and you know, I don't want to go where things are not happening and where I'm not able to be a blessing to the kingdom. And the Lord woke me up in the middle of the night and said, since when do you tell me where I'm preaching, where you're going to preach? And by the way, when, since when do we, we go by sight and not by faith? And I said, yes, sir. And I made sure that I was at that church um, because God knows. And so, you know, I'm so thankful, you know, for that time at that altar and, and the supernatural experience I had and, and the many great, great Christian friends that God's put in my path. And I was pondering uh, some of the key things that I've discovered since I've given my life to Jesus. And one of them is to listen to that still small voice. You know, I found a lost man one day in Evansville, actually in the Newburgh area. Oh, it's probably been six, eight years ago now. 
And this man had been lost for a day and a half in Evansville. Found out later he was wandering the streets and he was in Walmart. He was all around. I imagine how many hundreds of people saw this old fella and never said a word to him. But guys, supernatural, it's a long story. It's a whole testimony in and of itself. But, you know, God led me to this guy and he had a motel key. I think he had like temporary dementia. He was in his 80s and his, he took care of his wife in the Chicago area who had dementia. And um, so he had a hotel key and I realized he's probably trying to find his hotel. Got him back to his hotel and, you, can, you know, his kids were there from Chicago by that time. You can imagine, you know, how you'd feel if your dad was lost in a strange city for a day and a half. But this man turned out to be best man at my mother and father-in-law's wedding over 50 years prior to that. And so it's too late to tell me that God doesn't work through us and that supernatural things are still not happening. Another thing I've discovered is to be obedient I tried it both ways and found obedience seems to work better. Uh, we were in a restaurant here. This is a restaurant that was a Christian restaurant years ago that was being persecuted by the folks that wanted to do some ungodly things. And, um, and this restaurant was standing strong for God. And there was a day where they had a Christian day at this restaurant. We went there to support them. And when I got there, the drive through line was about two blocks long. And the walk-in line was out the front door. And so I chose the walk-in line. I visited with the people, and I stood there. And I guess I started out probably 40 feet from the front door, probably. And as I got about halfway to the building, the Holy Spirit spoke to me in that voice I've come to recognize now. And I, I'm so thankful that God speaks to me. He says, son, I want you to praise me in a song here today. And um, I thought, oh, I don't know how that's going to work. Kind of ignored it. Thought, oh, that maybe that was me. Got about, got inside the doorway at about halfway from the doorway to the front line to order, and I heard that voice again. And he gave me a song. He said, "I want you to praise me and hear these people." And just at that time, out of the corner of my eye, I saw a policeman standing over there by the doorway, just to make sure there wasn't any problems. And I thought, I'm going to go to jail. I do ministry in jail, but I really didn't want to go check in. And so I talked myself out of it that that wasn't God. And I got to the, to the front of the line. I was probably five feet away from the countertop. And I heard that voice for a third time. And the Holy Spirit said, are you going to obey me? And I chose to obey him. I got everybody's attention in that restaurant. There was probably 200 or more people in there. So they were packed everywhere. And I told them what the Lord had said to me, and we were going to praise him in a song. And we did How Great Is Our God, a cappella. And the people at the countertop stopped serving, and they praised God. It was one of the most powerful moments in my life. And I wondered, why, God? You know, sometimes we wonder, why do you have me do this? Why am I doing this? Why did you put it on my heart to come over and share my testimony? Always wanting to see. You know, and I, I tease God sometimes about, he's probably got me on his doubting Thomas list. Because I tell him, I know faith is belief in the unseen realm, but it really blesses me when you show me stuff. So every so often, he'll show me a little something, and uh, I'll say, thank you, Lord. And in street ministry, we had that so many, happen so many times. 
But in that restaurant was another step in learning to be obedient to God. Another lesson I've learned is, is to have faith. You know, sometimes we take the, the gospel and the parts we don't like, we kind of skip over those. And one of those is Mark 16. And one of those things, that's, these signs that's supposed to follow those that believe is lay, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So I was in nursing home ministry, and one night a lady shows up in there, and she weighs about 55 pounds. She's in her 50s. Her name is Donna, and she has Lou Gehrig's disease. And I knew that God wanted to do a miracle on her. And so we prayed for her. We laid hands on Miss Don, like the scripture says. And I love there towards the end of Mark 16, it says, The Lord working with them, confirming his word through signs following. And you know, God healed Miss Donna of Lou Gehrig's disease. She had three to five days to live. She was on hospice. And I didn't know about the three to five day thing at the time. I figured Lord didn't figure I had enough faith at that point. Which is kind of funny because I figured if, you know, if she had three to five months, maybe she could have been healed. Or three to five years, but oh, three to five days, Lord, just not enough. And so I didn't know that at the time. But God healed her Lou Gehrig's disease. And so it's too late to send me the, the bulletin that God's still not a healing God because he still is. And so I'm thankful for that. You know, another thing I've, I've discovered is that we have to do the word. You know, the Great Commission is to go preach Jesus, right? And I've been so blessed in the jail ministry, really hundreds and hundreds of people coming forward to receive Jesus. I left that jail in tears many times, thinking, why would you pick me, God? Why would you have me do anything for your kingdom? But he's so good and so merciful, and he loves people. You know, the greatest commandment in the Bible says to love God and love people. You know, if we love people, we're going to lead them to Jesus. And that's what my whole ministry has been dedicated on. You know, one of my favorite sayings, because this really relates to me, is going to church no more makes you a Christian than sitting in a garage makes you a car. There I was for 33 years sitting in that church, warming up a pew with my rear end, and didn't even know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. You know, God gave me a message in jail one time. He said, I want you to preach tonight on, are you an imposter Christian or an imitation Christian? And that's exactly what I was for 33 years. See, the devil had my eyes and my mind blinded to the glorious light of the gospel. And as Rick witnessed to me and started praying, those blinders started coming off. And at that altar, I saw the glorious light of the gospel that day. You know, another thing I've learned, Jesus said in John chapter 3, you must be born again. He didn't say it would be a good idea. He said we must be born again. And that's that experience I had at that altar that day. You know, Ezekiel chapter 3 and 33, a couple of my favorite chapters, talk about how we're watchmen for the kingdom of God. And I love that story how you're up there on that hill and you have the night shift and you're watching for the enemy to come. And you let your people know when the enemy comes. 
See, in the parallel to that, we bring that to the New Testament is that Jesus died on that cross for us. And God gave us all free will to choose. I could have chose to live that religious life I was living like Nicodemus. And God's not a dictator. He's a God of free will. And so we have to take that free will and we have to choose. Another thing I've learned is that this Bible, in Psalms says it's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. 119. 130 says the entrance of this word gives light. And you know, when I was a religious guy for 33 years, I had a perfect Bible on my end table. It had gold trim pages. It was in pristine condition. But you know, if our Bible's worn out, our life won't be. And so we have to get into our Bible. You know, in 2 Timothy 3.16 says, the entire Bible is inspired of God. We can't pick and choose what we want to believe. It doesn't matter what we think. It only matters what God thinks. And see, I challenge myself, Lord, if I'm thinking wrong, just, just show me in your word. I don't want to think wrong. But this Bible is that's the light. You know, in these, these end times, you know, John 1 said, Jesus is the word. So many people I found in these end times, and I believe Jesus is coming back soon. In that eastern sky, he's coming back. But many people now have chosen to leave their Bible aside and, and say they love Jesus, but they don't read their Bible. But see, he is the word. So if we truly love Jesus, we have to follow his Bible, his word, because he is the word. And so we have to stay strong in these end times as people think that now God's changed. Well, they thought that in Noah's days. They thought that in Sodom and Gomorrah's days, right? But he's not changed. He's not changed from me or anybody else. He's the same. One of my favorite scriptures is Matthew 10, 32. If you confess Jesus before men, he'll confess you to our Father in heaven. And I see that as a continual process. You know, it's not a one-time thing where we go up to an altar someday and we say, okay, Jesus, you know, you're my Savior. I see that as an ongoing thing. We continue to confess. That's part of our testimony, right, is going out to confess Jesus to all the world, to reach those that are lost. You know, in street ministry, I've learned a lot about love. Because sometimes people drive by and they say ugly things. If they're about me, I handle them pretty well. If they're about my mama, not quite so well. And there's been a few times where I've wanted to get those guys in a little headlock. I was a boxer in college and do a little workout. And the Holy Spirit said, that's not love. And, you know, so I've learned a lot about just loving people. They just don't know Jesus yet. You know, I learned we need a pastor. You know, in these end times, I found many people not plugged into a church somewhere. But Jesus' custom was to go to church. The Bible says, don't forsake the gathering of the brethren. That we need a pastor. We need a body to plug into, to be part of. And that's what I led, felt led to in this ministry here. That God will put you and he'll connect you supernaturally with people. Where you can do things together and reach so many more people. You know, one of the things I've found out is the creator God is greater than the created me. The creator God is greater than the created me. 
Sometimes we're trying to figure this out. Well, how is there a God the Father and a God the Son and a God the Holy Spirit? There's many things we'll never figure out with our brain. But Hebrews 11 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so we do these things by faith. So if you're out there on the highway and you're listing this testimony, maybe you're driving down the road, maybe you're in your kitchen listening to this CD, or you're driving your car home from work. Now I have one question for you. Are you born again? Have you given your heart to Jesus? Jesus is standing there with his arms wide open, ready just to hug you. But he's not going to come tackle you. But when you come to him, he'll hug you, embrace you. He's waiting on you. He thought about you on that cross when he died. He saw your face on that cross. He shed every drop of his blood on that cross for you and I. And you're not listening to this testimony by accident. Are you born again? You could change all that in one moment's time by receiving Jesus. Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, you must be born again. In Romans 10, it says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus died on the cross, was raised from the dead, you will be saved. I like the Amplified Bible. It says, believe in, adhere to, trust in, and rely on. See, it's easy to say you believe. I did that in my head for 33 years as a religious person. But do you believe and adhere to, trust in, and rely on Jesus? Have you given your life wholly to him? I pray that today will be your day to receive Jesus. And when you take your last breath, the angels of God will take you to streets of gold. So if you're ready to receive Jesus today, it's not complicated. You don't have to go earn it. You'll want to go do good things for Jesus once you give him your heart. So if you're ready to make your commitment with your heart to Jesus today, just repeat after me. And if you mean this in your heart, today is your day to be born again. Just repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I choose today to give my life to Jesus. I repent of sin and I choose to follow you. Holy Spirit, come into me now. Be my guide, my comforter, my helper. Satan, I'm no longer living for you. I'm living the rest of my life for Jesus. Jesus, thank you for being my Savior. Thank you for your precious blood that covers my sins. 
Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Last night I dreamed I went to heaven
If you prayed that prayer with Greg, then your sin's debt has been paid in full. And what a great song by Ann Webb Davenport. And if you'd like to hear more of Ann's great, great music, then give her a call at 281-636-5100 or log on to their website, jandaministries.com. Uh, you'll be glad you did, man. I'll tell you, Jim and Ann Davenport are dear, dear friends of ours, and we get to minister with them several times a year, and we really look forward to each time we get together here at Rig Ministries or somewhere on the road. So give Ann a call and tell her how much you appreciate her music that you hear on Rig Ministries CDs. How about... Another song by Anne Webb Davenport. We often say when we make mistakes, time will heal it all. What difference will it make anyway in a million years? That may be true about most things you do Who you know, what you have Oh, but there is one thing that will matter, friend A million years from now Do you know Jesus? Are you born?
Order some of her great music CDs or book her for your church or your Christian event. You'll be glad you did. And what a great message by Greg Barron of Celebrate Jesus Ministries. You can call him at 812-449-8811. He would be glad to talk to you, pray with you, or you can book him for your church or your Christian event. So, if you prayed that prayer with Greg, we want to hear from you. Our phone number is 618-383-2107. You give us a call. We'd be glad to uh, pray with you, send you more CDs, help you with your walk with Christ. And we want to end today's program with my testimony in song. I wrote this with the help of uh, my songwriting partner, Tom Caldwell. And now we got a brand new songwriting partner, Dennis McKay of the McKay Project. Man, I tell you what, Dennis has brought this song to a brand new level, and I just love it, and I hope you do too. So we want to close today's program with my testimony in song at the foot of the tree. Here's Dennis McKay, the McKay Project. Lost without hope Eighteen wheels of lonesome At the end of the road In my hand was a track The preacher had read His words still echoing In the back of my head I felt so ashamed When I thought of my past I called his name This chance would it be my last Then I saw Jesus Hanging on that tree I lifted up my heart From down on my knees Today I met Jesus At the foot of the cross Broken hearted and lonesome So long I've been lost I left a lifetime of misery At the foot of the tree Those eighteen wheels are rolling that old lonesome road And I shared the good news Wherever I go 
Yes, there's been a change. I'm not the man I used to be. And I tell everybody what's happened to me. How I felt so ashamed when I thought of my past. But I called his name. This chance, could it be my last? Then I saw Jesus hanging on that tree, and I lifted up my heart from down on my knees. Today I met Jesus at the foot of the cross, brokenhearted and lonesome. So long I've been lost. I left a lifetime of misery at the foot of the tree. Then I saw Jesus hanging on that tree. I lifted up my heart from down on my knees. Today I met Jesus at the foot of the cross. Brokenhearted and lonesome, so long I'd been lost. I left a lifetime of misery at the foot of the tree.